Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another exciting night of NBA basketball. With the first pick, the Detroit Pistons select Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State University. Chandler again. Oh, what a block by Max Seal! My goodness! The Pistons are digging in. They got the depth. They got the big men. They got the better basketball team. No doubt about it. There's Jaden playing the passing lane. Sky's a jam. Dynamite dunk and the crowd loves it. Pistons need a three and they have just under three seconds to do it. Here's Chauncey Phillips. Here it is. Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Network. I'm your host, Mike King Willano. Joining me this week, as always, are Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia. Fellas, we're like just a couple hours away from game two of the Pistons preseason action. How are we feeling? Doing good, Mike. Uh, excited to be here with the boys, as always. I know we got a really good show in store for everyone listening uh, today, this week. Talking about the big topic in Pistons land, Jaden Ivey came off the bench in game one. Not sure what's happening here in game two yet. Maybe he's in the starting lineup. Maybe he's not. But it's led to some interesting quotes from Monty Williams, the head coach, and it's led to a lot of interesting discussion within the Pistons community online. So I know we've got a lot of thoughts on that. We're going to start with that. But we've also got our Southeast division preview, a fun division, some good teams, the uh, Eastern conference champions of last year, Miami heat in the division as well. So going to be a fun show. Excited to, to talk about it with you boys. And some breaking news as well on the podcast. Won't be breaking tomorrow when it comes out, but for us, it's breaking news. Jalen Duran is going to be out once again tonight. He did suffer an ankle injury in that first preseason game. So no Jalen Duran. You do have to wonder how that is going to affect the math and in terms of Jaden Ivey being in the starting lineup, you do anticipate he's probably not going to change anything there, but who will be sliding in for Jalen Duran in the starting lineup? Uh, if last week's game was any indication, it's probably going to be Marvin Bagley, but it could also be James Wiseman who got the, the first shot at it last week uh, for the backup center minutes. So that is going to be really interesting to see. It does seem, though, that the guy that we have all been wondering about, Asar Thompson, is going to have a really, really good shot at being a starter. So there's a lot to talk about with this Jaden Ivey situation. Uh, what is the right move for the Pistons? And what is the right move for him as a player? Because that is also something that you have to take into account. You cannot imagine that being the number five overall pick, having a all-rookie type season, being definitely in contention for rookie of the year, and then the next year regressing in terms of your role, at least in terms of being a starter versus bench guy, sits very well with you as a competitor or as a player. So lots to talk about. I'm just excited to get into it with you, fellas. Let's go. All right. We are going to get right into it. But first, I have a sponsor read. And this week, of course, it's for our good friends at Bet Online. And football is back. Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips 
with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and the Super Bowl, BetOnline gives you access to the best football promos and contests available anywhere online. Head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. And remember to use our promo code Believe B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that promo code is Believe B-L-E-A-V, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use Bet Bet BetOnline, where the game starts. Jane Ivey, benched. That's the home run hitting topic for today. Uh, he came off the bench against the Phoenix Suns in the first game of the preseason. Detroit was also without Ben Bogdanovich, which, uh, uh, according to James Edwards III of The Athletic, uh, Bogdanovich would have started in place of Alec Burks. But that starting lineup against the Suns was Cade Cunningham, Alec Burks, Asar Thompson, Isaiah Stewart, and Jalen Duran. Ivy, of course, not in the starting lineup, but he did have 15 points, four boards, and four assists, 22 minutes off the bench. He was five for eight shooting. He was three for six from deep. Head coach Monty Williams said after the game and the following day about needing to prioritize defense, getting a veteran in the lineup, that veteran, of course, being Burks. And Bogdanovich being at the two brings up a whole other series of questions. Um, But a potential lineup of Cunningham, Asar Thompson, Bogdanovich, Stewart, and Duran, that could be the lineup for opening night. could not be. There's still a lot to figure out. It seems like the starting lineup is in quite a bit of flux, but let's start by unpacking the first bit here, which is that Jaden Ivey was coming off the bench in the first preseason game. He played well. Um, I, I mean, Jasper, you brought up a good point. He is a competitor and to go from the number five overall pick to not starting. Uh, could not sit well with him. Who knows? Um, an important component to all of this is that even though somebody doesn't start, it doesn't mean that they don't get starter-level minutes. Um, it doesn't mean that they're not in the closing lineup in tightly contested games. Um, it just means that they're not starting. Uh, and Plenty of players have come off the bench and have had exceptional careers. This is not, this is not new. Um, it's also not set in stone that this is what it's going to be, but I think there was a lot of eyebrow raising at seeing the former number five overall pick Um, and someone who, you know, both with the eye test and statistically got much better last season. As the season went on, the jump shot looked a lot better. seemed like he was in much more control over the offense. Um, Jasper, you know, what do you, what do you make of first of Jaden Ivey coming off the bench and sort of this whole situation of, um, having him sort of spearhead the second unit from an offensive standpoint. Oh boy. Oh, well, first off, I want to say this last year's number six overall pick Benedict Matherin only started 17 games for that Pacers team. So I, I think the idea that like, Oh, he's the fifth overall pick. If he's coming off the bench, that's a disaster. That, that to me is not so big of a deal. I think the bigger issue here is why he's becoming off the bench. And the idea that Boyan Bogdanovich is the player that would have stepped into that starting lineup, not at the four, not at the three, but at the two. And the justification for that is prioritizing defense. That to me is uh, 
not a great sign. And that's not to me saying Jaden Ivey is a good defender. Look, he was a bad defender last year. He made a little bit of strides as the season progressed. But even in the first preseason game, he did not look good defensively. And it's hard to imagine, even after him taking a couple of steps, that he's magically going to become this great defender, even an average defender, after one year of professional basketball. If he ever does become an average, above-average defender, it's going to happen after a few years. It's going to take time. So I can understand why you'd say, hey, if we're looking at our defense— Jaden Ivey's not exactly the guy you want in the starting lineup. That being said, I have no faith that Boyan Bogdanovich can guard starting twos in the NBA. Look, look around the league. Um, players are just, they're too skilled. They're too quick. They are way too athletic, especially at the two position. Shoot, I just talked about Benedict Matherin. You think Boyan Bogdanovich is staying ahead of Benedict Matherin? Shoot, Jaden Ivey is playing the two nominally for this team. You think Boyan Bogdanovich, if he was on the other side of the floor, could stay in front of Jaden Ivey defensively? No chance. In, in the words of Vince McMahon's theme song, no chance in hell. And the thing that for me is even more concerning about this is that they are saying they want to prioritize defense with Isaiah Stewart playing the four. I'm going to tell you this right now, and this is going to be a controversial opinion i can already tell throughout the year as the pistons are committed oh yes here we go as the pistons are committed to doing it isaiah stewart did not look good at the four he looked terrible defensively and you can say yes he's guarding kevin durant but guess what every team in the league has a stretch four. every team in the league is going to switch their threes and fours onto the opposing team's least skilled that is isaiah stewart on the perimeter he is fine in a pinch do not get me wrong but you cannot consistently depend on him to be playing the four defensively for this team and say that you are prioritizing defense. It makes no sense. That being said, look, if Jaden Ivey is going to be coming off the bench and finishing games, if he is going to be getting a legitimate shot, if this means that he is getting both minutes at the shooting guard and point guard position, and with Cade Cunningham back, I can understand why you would want to stagger their minutes a little bit and allow both guys to control the offense. I understand that fully. But it's the justification and the impetus behind it that for me is more than a little concerning. To say you want to prioritize defense and also then go ahead and say Isaiah Stewart's are starting four and Boyan Bogdanovich is our starting two. Uh-oh. I'm I'm getting just a little worried, just a little bit. And that is all I'm going to say on it. I, this is not me saying Monty Williams should be fired. They're me making a huge mistake. This is they shouldn't try anything different. No, I'm not saying that. But it does make me pause. Aaron, I wonder if you have a different outlook on it. Because for me, this is opening a little bit of a Pandora's box. This decision to sit Jaden Ivey uh, on the bench and the justifications behind it. Jasper, I agree with your overall point uh, uh, and having issue with the idea. I agree 100% for a lot of the same reasons. The only caveat, the only thing that I, I maybe think a little bit differently on is that I have to imagine Asar Thompson would be playing the two theoretically or guarding the other teams, you know, other guard alongside Kate Cunningham. I just, I can't imagine they would they would put Boyan Bogdanovich in that position. 
maybe I'm wrong, but that's just where my head goes. That, that was my, at least my original thought was that Asar would would probably more so be the two, do some more of the ball handling and, and guard, uh, you know, the, the other team's top guard in this case, or I guess maybe they're forward, uh, picking the easiest defensive option for, for Bogdanovich. But overall, I agree. My biggest issue goes back to Isaiah Stewart being in this lineup. Uh, if you want Bogdanovich in the lineup and you want Asar Thompson in the lineup, then put both of them in the lineup and bring Isaiah Stewart off the bench in a role that's going to be better suited for him. And, and I and I feel this way for a multitude of reasons because whether, you know, theoretically Thompson's playing the two or the three, Monty Williams was also quoted earlier this week saying that the team views him as a four. So he could, in theory, then start alongside Cunningham, Ivy, Bogdanovich, and Duran and slide in at the four spot. But also, let's go back to Jaden Ivy for a minute here. A top five pick that was told and sold as the backcourt partner alongside Cade Cunningham for the future of the Detroit Pistons. And not to overreact to one preseason game, we could be looking back at this tomorrow and Ivy being in the lineup uh, in the game on Thursday night. And maybe it's not nearly as big of an issue, but from all the quotes that we heard and being told that Ivy's going to have to earn his starting spot by playing better defensively, the way Monty Williams has talked about the lineups, the way this team has is so bullishly committed to Isaiah Stewart and has talked up Asar Thompson. It just seems like he is really trending towards coming off the bench. And it just, it's not, it's not good. It's not a great decision because even if Ivy isn't good enough to be a starter, which I'm not saying he isn't, I don't think this team has the right pieces and the better players to to say he's not a starter. There's there's not a better combination that they're putting out there that doesn't include Jaden Ivy. This is a guy that got better every single month that he played last season with the Pistons, playing in a role that he was not originally de- designed to, to come into this team and play. The whole idea was for him to be featured alongside Cade Cunningham, not have to play the Cade Cunningham role like he did last season after Cunningham went down just two weeks into the year. So when I look at Ivy's numbers and I look at how he grew as a three-point shooter, I look at how he grew as a playmaker. I mean, you know, his three-point percentage was 34%. It's not great, but like Isaiah Stewart's is 32% and he's being, he's being talked about as if he's some magnificent stretch for floor spacer with incredible offensive versatility. And we, we, we talk, talk about that. And then we look at Ivy and maybe he's not overall a great three point shooter, but last season on catch and shoot three point shots, he shot over 37% on unguarded, unguarded catch and shoot three point shots. He shot 47%. This is a guy that can space the floor adds a ton of dynamic abilities to the offense with the way that he can get to the basket, his speed and athleticism. Yes, he needs to play better defensively than he did last season. But to 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 say that the team needs to be better defensively and think the answers are guys like Alec Burks and Boyan Bogdanovich and playing Isaiah Stewart at the four, 
the idea may not be wrong, but the way you're the, the Pistons are executing on it just makes absolutely no sense. And I'm I'm really confused. And for us to be in this position where we haven't seen Kate Cunningham and Jaden Ivey uh, play together and get to build on a year that was essentially lost for the both of them in terms of developing and building that chemistry, something that's incredibly important for young guards. It feels like we're being shorted on something that we should at least get to see uh, for at least a legitimate amount of time before we just throw it away. I mean, I, I, I sitting here and the more I talk about it, the more I'm confused by it, but it's a, it's a compounding all of the weird decisions that the front office and the coaching staff has made, uh, you know, this off season. And, and Aaron, this is again, where the refusal to go after somebody like Cam, forget even Cam Johnson, the refusal to go after any legitimate power forward in this off season becomes more and more confusing by the minute, uh, especially with the Isaiah Stewart extension in here. And look, you didn't have to get Cam Johnson, but you could have gotten you to Watanabe. Do you hear how the, the Suns players, how Kevin Durant is talking about him? Like, those are guys that you need on your team. Players who can go out there and play the four, play a little bit of the three, who can be versatile, who can play in big lineups, who can sp- play in small lineups. With Isaiah Stewart, you are absolutely hamstrung in your ability to play versatile defense. And this is already the thing now, too. Because you're going to be starting him and Bogdanovich next to Asar Thompson, you put more pressure on Asar now to be guarding the opposing team's best player, yes, but also to be able to outuse his entire range of defensive skills. If you're putting him on twos, then you're taking away from his ability to be a, 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 an effective post defender, which he can be. We saw him just the other day go up and get blocks, create turnovers, pass the ball down the court. I totally agree with you when I say, like, he should be a Swiss Army knife this year. Offensively, like, and, and that, again, is another reason why I'm not, 100% opposed to Ivy coming off the bench because that does open up the ability for Sar Thompson to handle the ball a little bit more. And you know Boyan Bogdanovich is going to handle the ball. So I can understand where you say like, hey, we want to give Jaden chances to actually play point guard and to be a creator because he was good with the ball in his hands last year, especially from December onwards when he was averaging over six assists per game. You bring up that last point as well, Aaron in terms of three-point percentages. You're right. Jaden Ivey was not so much better from three. But this is one of those things where you talk about the eye test, and this is where you have to look at the play on the floor. Teams are not guarding Isaiah Stewart at the three-point line. When he was shooting poorly from the three, they were not guarding him. When he was shooting well from three, they were not guarding him. And that was true again on Sunday. He went one of six. Every single one of those shots was wide open. And it's what happened before, where in the pick and roll, he's clogging up the ability because he's not a pick and pop guy. So he's just standing there on the perimeter. He does not have the the requisite passing chops in order to actually create passes on the interior if he is going to be standing out there for somebody like Jalen Duran. Duran is a better passer. Isaiah Stewart's not a good passer. His movement without the ball is clunky. It is unrefined. He doesn't know what he's doing on the court. And I am sorry to say it, but the things that he can do, post-ups, he's not very good at. So it's like, what are we really trying to accomplish here? You talked about it. The coaching staff is saying, well, you got to prove it. 
what has Isaiah Stewart done to prove that he deserves a larger role than Jaden Ivey on this team? Jaden Ivey came in last year as a rookie and took over playmaking duties after 12 games of Cade Cunningham. No, he wasn't a great defender. But what is harder, great effort or output? The answer is simple. I can go out there on the basketball court right now and give you great effort, Aaron and Mike. Can I give you good output? No. And that is, for me, something that I am very concerned about, that this front office and that this coaching staff, and again, I'm not making any sweeping judgments, but I am concerned about it, that they are mistaking effort for output. And to me, that is not a good sign. When you have somebody like a Sar Thompson who puts it all together, that's great. But when you have Isaiah Stewart out there hustling around, running around, doing nothing good, I don't care. That's not proving it to me. What it's proving to me is that you're looking at the wrong things and that you're trying to create this sense of a team with a certain certain outlook, a certain chemistry, a certain playing style, but without the talent that's necessary to carry it to wins. I don't want to like really keep going on this, but yeah, I have some concerns, some really real concerns right now. So we sort of had this discussion last week already when we were talking about lineups and how it makes so much more sense to not have Isaiah Stewart in the starting lineup yet because they paid him. They're going to start him. Um, and it has kind of a cascading effect of, you know, they paid him because the picks around him that they selected didn't pan out. They had to save face, um, which is a ridiculous reason to sign a draft pick out of saving face. But here we are. Um, it really does clog up the offense and you can see it. Um, it kind of gets, it kind of gets me asking the question of, you know, what is Isaiah Stewart's main strength? Um, because he actually, in looking at this, he shot pretty poorly at the rim. He shot just a hair under league average from the mid range. He shot 33% from three, which is in the 32nd percentile. He's right around Derek Jones Jr. and Draymond Green-esque in terms of accuracy. But he's not getting guarded. He's not getting ever guarded at the three-point line as well. Correct. That's important. I think that's really important to note. He's shooting 33% on wide open. Yeah, he's getting very wide open looks. 41% of all of his shot attempts last year came from deep. 44% came from the rim. Um which is not particularly high. I mean, he's essentially had, he had the efficiency of like, um, who did I just say? He had the efficiency of like a Draymond, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Yeah. A Draymond green. He had that level of three point efficiency, but he was taking them at a rate of Dario Saric essentially. Um, not shooting well at the rim. And I'd, you'd have to give me a minute to look up the post-up data. But, you know, it, it begs the question of, you know, what are you gaining by starting him, I guess? And if it is that energy-type player, you know, plug him, like plug him into a lineup and it, it allows the offense or, you know, the defense to get a spark of energy, like you said, it, that's, that's, that's not good enough. It's also not a good enough reason to hand somebody six, $64 million dollars that's a different discussion maybe down the line. Troy Weaver can't help himself, but, uh, you know, overpaying for bigs. Um, 
But trying to avoid the discussion we had last week, you know, and by the way, we do have a little bit of breaking news for who else is not going to be playing this evening. Not breaking news for anybody listening to this, but breaking news for us. There's no Monty Morris or Bogdanovich tonight either uh, for the Pistons. So, you know, given that sort of information, uh, the lineup looks like it's going to be pretty Frankenstein. It's going to be thrown together in uh, odd ways. So, I mean, is is Ivy coming off the bench I mean, I still don't think it's like it's not an inherently bad idea um, because, you know, he he will get to. And I, I think I made this point on on Twitter. It's like he's a very fast player. He's a very he's very good when when he's downhill um, and the shot is much better. I mean, I feel like it's not the worst thought process to have a guy like that go in and start to gash the second unit or, you know, be be a spark plug in and of himself for that second unit. You know, let's just say that 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 is the case. How do your expectations change for Ivy if he is sort of coming in as the sixth man, and and how does that alter his trajectory with the team? Does it you know improve his efficiency? Maybe going in shorter spurts, facing a secondary defense or. Or um, you know maybe just in not facing the starters, like how how does that affect your outlook on him for this upcoming season? It really just depends who he's sharing the court with, because you know if you don't believe in him as a floor spacer in the starting, let's say it's Monty Morris. So if he's in the in the second unit with Monty Morris, and you know is it Joe Harris? Is it Marvin Bagley? Who else is he on the court with? Is he going to have to be a floor spacer in that second unit? And yes, let's say he's with Joe Harris and the bigs are like a toss up. It'll probably be whoever wins the backup center role, probably Bagley and somebody else. Right. So if you look at the roster, it's a roster that's missing a lot of pieces and it's asking Jaden Ivy to, I guess, go out and be a, Big time scorer, Mike. I'm sure maybe you were leading us here, but I'm sure it's also in your mind of kind of trying to be like that Uber Colin Sexton, where he's just uh, run at you, try to score as much as he can, can do. Yeah, I hope he's much better than that. Making, but yeah, but he's gonna, you know, he's not gonna be a starter in that role. And I don't know. I it's I'd rather just see if he can be the guy that he was drafted to be and see if he can fit alongside the backcourt partner. He was drafted to, to be, you know, the franchise pillar alongside. Uh, But if he's coming off the second unit, he's being asked to be that downhill score, get to the rim, make plays, help play make. He's going to have to space because with Isaiah livers out, it gets a little more confusing on what the second unit's going to look like, but that's another theoretical floor spacer that's off the court. And I'm not sure who, is able to step in and, and replace him in that regard. So I, I think there's a lot of pressure on Ivy in the second unit, not that he's not capable of handling it. I more so think I, I'm not, it's not necessarily Ivy coming off the benches would be a bad thing, but I don't think that bringing him off the bench is the right solution for the starting lineup that the Pistons are putting out on the court. I'm more concerned with that than I am what the makeup of the second unit looks like right now. 
Yeah, it's more like the reasoning behind everything that's more of the issue, right? It's it's like Ivy coming off the bench. Okay, not inherently bad, but why is he coming off the bench? It's so Isaiah Stewart can jack up threes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't really like that very much. And I think also I have an issue with it too, and this is one of those things with Troy Weaver where it's just like I don't understand his thought process sometimes. Because if you knew Jaden Ivey wasn't going to be a great defender, like he wasn't a great defender in college, you knew he was going to need work there, and you're also not entirely sure that you can play him next to Kate Cunningham, then why didn't you just take Benedict Matherin? Like a guy who doesn't need the ball in his hands, a guy who can come off the bench, a guy who was a good defender in college, like why would why not just take him instead? And this is another thing too. You know, we've been talking about Troy Weaver's evaluation and how just certain things just don't match up it just doesn't really make sense and i feel like we've been talking about this since the kelly olenic signing where we went why why would you commit this money to this guy who doesn't really fit this roster in the way that you need him to um and i'm sorry we were right on that when you had a guy like rashawn holmes on the other hand who did and got less money and this just kind of seems like the thing too like we're talking about the isaiah stewart thing we don't have to harp on it all day, but why are you paying this guy $15 million a year for four years to be your power forward when you don't know if he can be a power forward and other guys who are equivalent, sorry, better, like Naz Reed are getting less years for less money. I don't understand what the thought process is really not behind the moves in the vacuum, but like overall, why even take Jaden Ivey if this was the plan, Right. Am I crazy? I just don't know if there was a plan at that point. Well, that's an issue in and of itself, too. You're you're just going and taking as much. Like, I'm sorry, this is not the NFL. You don't just go out and get the best talent with your picks and make everything work later. This is the NBA. You need to have a plan. You need to have a strategy. This is why most teams go in big after one or two stars in the draft, and then they consolidate. We talked about this on this very podcast last year when the Cavaliers went out and traded for Donovan Mitchell. We said this is the move that teams have to make. You can only have so much young talent on your roster before it actually becomes a bad thing for your team. And it seems to me like the Pistons are kind of refusing to consolidate in any meaningful way except for around Isaiah Stewart. And and to me, it just really... It just is very concerning. It's not that Ivy's coming off the bench. It's why he's coming off the bench and the thought process behind it. It is, it's, it does not fill me with confidence. Did you ever think that uh, you'd be wishing that you still had Sadiq Bey on the roster? Because this would really solve no, so many I, things. I'd rather have four second-round picks, to be honest. Or, or, or that, yeah. Yeah, because then you right. can package those with you know one of these other guys that you have on your team and actually trade for like a player you need to consolidate i i it's frustrating because now you have two line this lineup that doesn't make any sense but you've committed money you've committed time here you believe in this guy you don't believe in that guy and now it's like your your starting unit makes no sense your backup makes no sense you have no power forward on your roster you don't have a power forward on the roster what are we doing here you didn't even try to get a power forward this offseason so now we're talking about, you know, I'm on Twitter every day, like creaming my pants over the idea of a Sar Thompson playing the four. Like, dude, what is <laughs> going on? Jeez.
Aaron, uh, do you dare to follow up that? Like any any last thoughts on this? Because, I mean, I think we kind of got to the root of the problem, which is we don't really understand the thinking and the reasoning behind it is not sound. Um, but any, any additional like context or just thoughts on Ivy coming out from the second unit now? I mean, and by the way, this entire conversation goes away if Monty Williams puts out a different lineup maybe not in tonight's game against the magic, but maybe next game. And, and, you know, this is all squashed and, but any, any last thoughts on Jane Ivy moving over to the bench? Look, not necessarily. I think what I'd want people to take away from this conversation, at least from my perspective, big picture is if Jane and Ivy's coming off the bench after one season, which he was, I think good in, and I think the large majority, if not everyone would agree with that, but if he's coming off the bench after one season where he didn't get the opportunity to play alongside Kate Cunningham after everyone was told this was the starting backcourt that the team was going to build around for the future, why was Jaden Ivey drafted by this team? And like you said, Mike, this conversation could be worth nothing by October 25th if he's in the starting lineup, but it's a fair question to ask, and when you hear the way Monty Williams has spoken about what this team wants to do defensively, and, and, and now we're hearing uh, you know, from the beat writers about how Jaden Ivey's going to have to earn his spot because he's not been good enough defensively, I, I, I'm just confused by the whole situation, and it's not necessarily thing to one preseason game. It's reacting to... Well, then you you knew Jaden Ivey wasn't a great defender coming out of the draft. That's not why you drafted Jaden Ivey. So this whole situation is confusing. But at the same time, there's, you know, three, four more preseason games for the Pistons to kind of figure things out. And hopefully by October 25th, this conversation is is meaningless. Well, I I have to say this. You say this conversation goes away if Jaden Ivey's back in the starting lineup. But then who's on the bench? Who's on the bench? You bring a Boyan Bogdanovich off the bench? He was your best scorer last year. Are you bringing a Sar Thompson off the bench? I'm going to be honest, man. Summer League in one preseason game was enough to me. If you care about your defense, a Sar Thompson needs to be getting like 27 minutes a game yeah. minimum. And he has yeah. to be in your starting lineup. Do you have any faith that it's going to be Isaiah Stewart who's coming off the bench? Do you have any faith that the guy who's going to go, come off the bench, if Jaden Ivey's back in the starting lineup, as I say, a Stewart, because I'm going to tell you this, I don't, I have no faith that that's going to be the guy. So no, I actually don't think this conversation goes away if Jaden Ivey does go back into the starting lineup, because that creates its own problems in and of itself. Um, I think that this is a symptom of a roster that has been really, really poorly put together. Uh, I mean, I can't argue with that. We are in total agreement that the construction of the roster top to bottom just is a little odd. Um, I also don't think it's going to be Isaiah Stewart for many of the reasons you listed last week. You're paying him a lot of money to come off the bench. It's obviously, you know, to me, it's the right move. Um, but is it going to happen? Probably not. Um, with so many players out for tonight's game, which is going to be really strange for people listening because we have no idea what the starting lineup is, unless it comes out as we finish up the recording or how they look, uh, you're going to have a, probably a totally different opinion than what we're dishing out right now. But um, 
going to be interesting to see how this evolves over the course of the season because it it could be a you know who's the hot hand type of deal and the rotation is changing i mean what 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 we're not going to do is fly off the handle and suddenly feel like Monty Williams just hosed the Pistons for an insane amount of money and now he doesn't care about coaching anymore which i saw a lot of those takes on twitter which is it's just crazy i mean it's it's preseason you use the preseason to, to try to find out what stuff works and what doesn't and you can you cannot fly off like that after one preseason game and some practices that he just kind of mailed it in and and whatnot so we'll have to let the situation evolve and see what happens again it does not mean he doesn't play starter level minutes it doesn't mean he doesn't close lineups in tight games or that they've lost all faith in him um we'll just have to see how it evolves um and another component is that you know we're not there in practices we don't know all that happens in the locker room and there's a lot of other factors that may be part of it that may be part of this decision we don't we don't know. We'll have to see how this um, continues to develop heading in, heading into the regular season. And that will lead us right into our next topic, which is uh, the Southwest, I'm sorry, the Southeast divisional preview, which has the Miami Heat, the Atlanta Hawks, the Washington Wizards, the Orlando Magic, and the Charlotte Hornets, which might be, you know, this is probably my least favorite division. Um, other than Orlando, because I I'm very excited to watch Paolo Bancaro go to work. But um, interesting division. It has the defending conference champion Heat in it, uh, without Damian Lillard. Um, Aaron, I'm gonna start with you first. Let's go with the Miami Heat. Uh, the Heat again, like I said, they they won the conference. They did not get Damian Lillard. They they really didn't get a whole lot. Quite honestly, they signed. Thomas Bryant and they drafted Jaime Jaquez. They lost Max Struess and they lost Gabe Vincent. Struess to Cleveland, Gabe Vincent to the Los Angeles Lakers. Their over-under is at 46 and a half. Are you taking the over or the under with the Miami Heat? I am confidently taking the under on Miami. I am not going to be super, super high on the defending Eastern Conference champions. Look, I, I think Max Struess and Gabe Vincent are two significant losses for this team, a team that was, I guess, banking all offseason on landing Damian Lillard. And now that they haven't, I think we have to remember that this was a team that just got into the play-in last season. They were not a big-time top three seed in the Eastern Conference. Now, yes, they came out of it, but – we're talking about regular season wins and Miami could still find themselves in the playoffs, but 47 wins is a lot for a team that I think got worse this off season. And it's not like this is a roster of guys that go all in during the regular season at a bio Butler, Kevin Love, Kyle Lowry, all those guys are going to miss time at one point or another. And that's when it was really nice to have guys like Gabe Vincent, who was starting games for Miami. And it was nice to have Max Drews, who could just have those games where he's shooting a hot ball and he gives you 27. And that helps you over Orlando in a random January game. Like, they're going to be missing that. And 
I just think, yeah, again, 47 is a, a big number to get to for this team with the way that the roster is made up and who it's made up of. And I'm on the under. It doesn't mean I don't think Miami can make the playoffs, but I don't think they're getting the 47 wins. Yeah, this team to me screams like 45, 44 wins. I, I think they're a decent decent team, but yeah, like you said, like I, I like Josh Richardson as much as the next guy, but they definitely took a step backwards this offseason. I think also mentally, I really do think that missing out on Damian Lillard does take a toll on them, uh, even if Jimmy Butler, you know, decided to show up with his emo haircut I don't as like a joke. I, haha. Very funny, Jimmy. You remain as hilarious and relatable as always while you complain about gas prices in your Rolls Royce. What a cool guy. Uh, I don't know if you can tell. I don't really like the Miami Heat. It's not really an organization I particularly enjoy. Uh, I love Eric Spolstra, and everything else can go straight to hell. Well, they already are in Miami. There we go. Yeah, it's just not a team I think super high of. They really, really needed the Damian Lillard thing to come through. They are going to need big contributions once again from Kyle Lowry once again from Kevin Love they're gonna need Josh Richardson to be like the best version of himself which I don't know they need Caleb Martin to take take a step forward and defensively I, I don't know man like Tyler Hero Duncan Robinson I just think they have so many holes even Thomas Bryant who was a new signing for them I don't really love him defensively. So I think that they are in a, they're a team that definitely should be taking a step backwards this year. And if it was any other organization, I'd say this might be where they start to try and blow things up. But you know, Pat Riley, he signed that, that, that deal with the devil where if he ever loses under 40 games in a regular season, uh, he goes bald. So uh, unfortunately, I don't think they're going to be doing anything like that this year. I think they're just going to ride this till the wheels fall off. Yeah, they're they're a team that you're right. Just screamed like forty three to forty four wins. They're they're a team that I feel confident is going to end up back in the play in at the worst, and they're a team that I definitely do not want to face if I'm in the play in and. Should they advance out? They're a team I don't want to play in the first round at all because that blood magic that Pat Riley and Greg Popovich have, Eric Spolster has it too. And for whatever reason, this this team just turns into like nails when it comes to the first round. Like, should the Cavs, God forbid, get the Heat in the first round? I would be scared as as a Cavs fan, knowing that now we have to play. Jimmy Butler and Bam with two centers that just got embarrassed by Mitchell Robinson one year ago. Well, less than a year at this point. I don't I don't want to play them in the playoffs because I think they're tough. But in the regular season, I could see them having, you know, less than 46 and a half wins, assuming that they don't make some crazy trade in the middle of the season that completely alters the trajectory. But I, I would be inclined to take the under on the Miami Heat as well. And I don't think that, you know, Struess and Vincent are, are insignificant losses. I, I I think those are both important losses, um, especially one of them being to a team that you are going to be competing with in the Eastern Conference. So I would definitely take the under as well. Uh, Atlanta Hawks, who I got to watch in the Cavs' first preseason game, their over-under is 42.5. Jasper, are, are you taking the over or the under on the Atlanta Hawks? The Hawks are a team that I am 
also going to be taking the under on. I'm just not very high on them. This still is a team that has the exact same issues I think they did last year uh, when they barely snuck in at 41 and 41. I I will say, look, I was not super high on him, but their lineups with Sadiq Bey last year were pretty good. And I think they still have some nice young players Trey Young is still, like, he's, it feels like he's been in the league forever, man. He's 25. And they have Bogdan, Bogdan Bogdanovich, always gets mixed up for me. They still have DeJounte Murray. They still have DeAndre Hunter. They have Wes Matthews. They brought in Kobe Bufkin. Okongwu, is this the season that he, like, finally takes over the starting position? Who knows? They did get rid of uh, our constant boy crush it seems like in John Collins they shipped him off for peanuts but I think that this is still a very solid squad my question here still remains like is Trey Young that dude um are they going to be able to hold up on the defensive side of the ball I'm not really convinced of that they were bad defensively last year I think they're probably not going to be great this year but Bringing in somebody like Quinn Snyder, who for me is an outstanding coach. I I think he's one of the best coaches in the league. Um, That could make a big difference. Like we see it even with a team like the last one we just talked about in Miami, where they have teams that are better than the sum of their parts because they have such a great coach in Eric Spolstra there. Quinn Snyder, is he Eric Spolstra? I don't know. But he is really good. So while I would be taking the under at 42 and a half, I genuinely think it could be like 42 on the dot. I still think that this is a team with upside. It's just the the vibes was just kind of cursed for a couple of years there now. I mean, for longer than that, if you really look into the history of this team with the city of Atlanta, there's a reason fans don't really show up. So to me, I just am not a believer, but this more so than like any of the other teams in the division, I can see myself being really wrong on Aaron. I'm wondering if you feel the same way. I'm on the opposite side of it. I'm on the over, but kind of like you, I think it could be like right there. You know, they could be a, a 40 win team. They could be a 44 win team. Quinn Snyder has not won less than 44 games in a season as a head coach since 2015, 16. Atlanta's bringing back essentially everyone except for John Collins. So they're getting a full season of Quinn Snyder. They're getting a full season of Sadiq Bey, who I do think legitimately helps them. And I'm also still a believer in Jalen Johnson, who had an underwhelming rookie freshman season at Duke, was a big-time prospect coming out of high school, and hasn't really had a major, major opportunity in Atlanta because he was playing behind John Collins. Clint Capella is there, Onyeko Nkongwu is there. Like, there's a lot of guys that were eating up the front court minutes, and it seems like they're really giving him the reins now, and he's going to have a big-time role. I like what he can do for them defensively. He's super athletic, and he's not going to maybe have the the attitude issues that John Collins had in terms of offensively, not getting a ton of shots, not getting a lot of looks, not getting a ton of opportunity. I don't think that's going to be Jalen Johnson's role, and I think he knows that. I just like the continuity that this team has. They brought back their their core pieces outside of Collins. They added a couple nice veterans as well this offseason and Patty Mills and Garrison Matthews and Wesley Matthews. 
Kobe Buckins, another nice young guard that they bring in from the draft. Like they've got a lot of players. They're bringing back their two guys. DeJounte Murray and Trey Young now have a year playing together under their belt. I'm not saying this team's going to win 50 games, but yeah, I do think they're going to get past the over, even if it's just barely. This is another team that I just don't like to play against. Um, maybe it's dating back to um, the play-in where the Hawks and the Cavs played and the Cavs had all the momentum and Trey Young just said, not not so fast, my friend. Uh, I, I'm i kind of on the fence. I genu- generally think that they're going to hit the over because I think the camaraderie is important and I think a full year of Quinn Snyder is, is not – uh, insignificant. They added good vets in, in Mills and Matthews, and I don't know what you're going to get out of Kobe Bufkin and Seth Lundy, but uh, you know, in watching just again just one preseason game, I feel like Jalen Johnson and AJ Griffin can be contributors pretty much immediately for for this team. You know, they they and like Griffin with his injury history, they're kind of bringing him on slowly. Um, weren't really sure what he was going to look like, but you know, in the few minutes that I really got to watch him against the Cavs. It seemed like he was a lot more polished, particularly around his finishing. And then Jalen Johnson, I think, is still kind of this like malleable piece that is going to get more time. So I think those two guys will will definitely shore up the bench. And then DeJounte Murray was not good last year in his first year with the Hawks. Just just was not good. Um I think he's going to be better this year. Again, another year um playing with Trey. Cause it's not easy. Um, he is a very good playmaker and obviously can shoot for pretty much any range, but um, it's not an easy player to play against when you're, you are kind of the guy that has to uh, make up for him on the defensive end. So I am going to take the over in a questionable way, um, but I would not be surprised if, if they, you know, run into the same troubles that they have the last couple of years, which is should be better than they are, but they just aren't playing that way on the floor. Um, let's go to the Washington Wizards, who made the biggest amount, the largest amount of moves out of any other team in this division. They finally cut the cord with Bradley Beal, sent him to Phoenix. They traded Chris Porzingis. They traded Monty Morris to Detroit. They added a whole bunch of guys, I guess, for lack of a better word, and Jordan Poole, Daniel Gallinari, Tyus Jones, Landry Shamit. They drafted Bilal Koulibaly. That kind of came out of nowhere as well. He just he was the Scotty Barnes of this draft. We just shot up the draft board. Uh, their over under is at twenty four and a half. Uh, Aaron, this is probably gonna be one of the worst teams in the NBA, right? Yeah, I mean Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma, uh, not great. That that's your top two, and you know they're young around. The, those guys like they've got some some interesting young players Corey Kispert Denny Advia is going into a big year where opportunity is probably going to be as as big as it's going to get for him um it's going to be a, a long year for Washington and every year there's got to be some teams that don't win 20 games Washington's going to be one of those teams comfortably taking the the under on the Wizards Aaron, I, I, I'm going to pause you for just one second, because, and, and I, I'm going to take the under as well. But we have an update for the Pistons tonight. Kate Cunningham is also out with left quad tendonitis. Oh, Jesus, man. So 
So yeah. the starters will be Killian Hayes, Alec Burks, Asar Thompson, <sighs> Marvin Bagley, and Isaiah Stewart playing small ball five. Just wanted to get that in. Cool. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Dude, oh my God. Are, like, really? It begins. It's it's preseason. It's preseason. What it's... would you rather talk about, the Washington Wizards or left quad tendonitis for Kate Cunningham? I think I'd rather talk about my ex-girlfriend's sex lives uh, than <laughs> any of this right now. Like, this is terrible. <laughs> I'd rather, like, see what my grandma was up to when she was 19. Uh, no. Look, let's talk about the Wizards, man, because that's somehow less depressing than the Pistons' starting lineup tonight. I, I am actually... And this might be crazy because this is a Washington Wizards team with less star power than your average Wednesday night UFC card. I'm going to take the over here. I just think that while they do not have top-level players, I think they kind of have enough of just, like, okay guys that kind of fit together to where they could. And, and again, I know I sound foolish by saying this. I think they could hit, like, 25, 26 wins. I just don't really see any guys on the roster that I'm like, that guy can't play. That guy's going to get picked on every single night. They have some decent defenders. I like Denny Avdia still. I, I do think Kuzma's an okay player. I, I do like Daniel Gafford. I think Landry Shamet, he has his issues, but like he can shoot a little bit. Corey Kisper is a player too that, to me, on both ends of the ball, is, is growing. He was a lot better last year. Um, they have Tyus Jones, who I really love DeLon Wright, Jordan Poole. If he can be back to like what he was two years ago versus last year, if Kyle Kuzma can keep up the game, if, if Taj Gibson can still be useful and effective and Bilal Kibali, wow, I butchered that. Bilal Kibali can give you <laughs> something. I think, yeah, I butchered that name worse than the Pistons butchered their starting lineup tonight. Uh, which, I, which doesn't have Ivy either, no, by the no, way. Not, of course not. <laughs> Yeah, he shouldn't be starting. Why would you start him? Everybody else is out. Anyway, uh, no, and like, shoot, I, uh, you know, Eugene Umar- Omaroy is on the is on the team too. I have to shout oh, him out. Perfect. We do love that, but really, like, I don't see any big holes. I don't see really any high upside, but that just means you can't win a lot of games. I think that they can be something, not to the extent that the Utah Jazz were last year. But the Utah Jazz, which were a team that I just I picked to cover for like the first month of the season straight because they didn't have good players, but they didn't really have any bad players either. And I see this roster as being somewhat similar in that sense. It sounds crazy after you just lose Bradley Beal and Kristaps Porzingis to say that they might be better than last year. But believe it or not, I think they might. Uh, what are the odds that Jordan Poole like, actually wins the scoring title? Zero, uh, I mean, 0.1%. He's not going to win the scoring title. Uh, I'm sorry, not the scoring title. The uh, he, he leads the league in shots per game. Not not, not as bad. <laughs> I, just said, I need to see the odds first before I started thinking about it. But I t- say top five, and uh, I'm probably taking that bet. I would probably take that bet, too. Uh, I think they're going to be bad. But I think that they... They did the thing that so many teams just didn't do like early enough, which is to just rip the Band-Aid off. I mean, they let the Bradley Beal thing go on for so long. Couldn't trade him, wouldn't trade him, gave him a no-trade clause for, for crying out loud. Got almost nothing back. 
the real gain was just not having a salary there. They finally decided to move on. And uh, Michael Winger over there, who was the, he was Sam Presti's lieutenant in Oklahoma City. He he was the one that finally came in and said, hey, this place is a mess. We have to clean up immediately. He's he's like the adult going into the frat house that, you know, that has to clean up after the party. It's like, what what have you guys done? Um, I think they're going to be bad, but they're they're going to be enjoyable. Jordan Poole's probably going to like crush somebody's heart in like a mid-January game just because he's going to go absolutely bonkers uh, and shoot the lights out, but they are going to be bad. Let's keep rolling. The Orlando Magic, their over-under is 36 and a half. Again, they had kind of a quiet offseason. They added Anthony Black in the first round, which sort of was kind of a maybe the first questionable pick of the draft. They signed Joe Ingles. They drafted Jet Howard, so they're going very shooting, shooting heavy. They lost Bull Bull, and they lost Michael Carter-Williams as their two biggest losses. Um, I think uh, Mo, or, uh, Ignace Prasdikas also left and is now playing overseas. But 36 and a half is their over-under. Good young team. Paolo Bancaro is awesome. Uh, Raquel Fultz is healthy. Wendell Carter Jr. is a good, solid center. I like the makeup of the team. I have them over 36 and a half because I'm insane. Jasper, over under 36 and a half for the Orlando Magic. Um, I, You know I love this team. I got to take the over here. I mean, look, Jonathan Isaac hasn't even broken every single ligament in his body yet. So things are looking up, baby. Um, this is another team that is really, really intriguing. They, I love their young roster. It is somewhat difficult as a Pistons fan to look at that roster and look how good it is and just be like, hmm, uh, why doesn't ours look a little bit more like that? You talk about, I mean, shoot, Mo Wagner and Franz Wagner. Like, yeah, Mo Wagner's a backup center, but he's a good backup center. Anthony Black, I thought, was an outstanding pick for them. Like, just what they need, another guy who can kill teams defensively at the guard position. Jet Howard, too. They need to start making decisions on their guards on their roster. They just, they have too many of them. You still have Gary Harris there. You have Mark Fultz. You have Cole Anthony. You have Jalen Suggs. Something has to give at a certain point. But they're not in that position where they necessarily have to make a decision before the season. They can afford to see how things play out. I do think ultimately that Cole Anthony is, is going to get moved. I and this is, might be an unpopular opinion, I do think Jalen Suggs is a guy that they should really keep. He is a bulldog on defense. He's like what I think of. It's like <laughs> he's the NBA equivalent of like an, an NFL linebacker. He is just an absolute dog. He wants that physicality. He wants that. And I just think that a player like that who can provide you with the effort and the output on that end of the ball and give you a little something offensively, if he can just take a little bit of a step forward in terms of his shooting, I think he's a really, really good player. And, of course, the front court, Paolo, Wendell Carter Jr., and Franz Wagner, if you're talking about young young front courts in this league, I don't know if you can look at any other and say that that one is definitively better than this one. I, I think all three of those guys are just fantastic. Um, I, I really don't have anything say, bad to say about any of them. Like, I, I love what they bring you at both ends. They can do a little bit of it all, offensively, defensively. Um, it's it's really going to come down to, like, 
how do those guards fit together? And what are you going to be getting out of your, your backups uh, on the wing? Because I do think they are a little bit weak there. Like there's a good chance Caleb Houston has to play like a, a big Houston. Sorry, I live in New York. Caleb Houston plays a big role for this team, and I'm not quite sure he's there. But, you know, Chumo Kiki, like Gary Harris, uh, I don't quite know there. Joe Ingles is really getting up there as well. Old. DJ Wilson, Mac McClung, like that does not fill you with a lot of confidence. So while I think their starting lineup is going to be very good, and while I think they have a lot of talent, I would be taking the over on this but not by much. I think they yeah. are looking at, at most, like, 40 wins. But they have the talent. And look, if they can pull off a move, they can pull off a trade and consolidate a little bit, this could be a very different team at the end of the season. Yeah, I, I'm in a tough spot with Orlando because I do really like their their cornerstone pieces. Paolo Bencaro, Franz Wagner, uh Wendell Carter Jr., three really, really good players. Markel Fultz uh, is saying that this is going to be a breakout year for him. He's been healthy. It's his first offseason where he's been completely healthy and really just been able to, to work and get better. Like, if Jonathan Isaac plays 50 to 60% of the games for them, that'd be a major win. They bring in two lottery picks in Anthony Black and Jet Howard. Um, there's a lot of names on this team. I, I think that they have two rising all-stars in Paolo Bancaro and Franz Wagner. I, I truly think one of them is going to make the all-star game this year. It's just a matter of which one plays better. Um, and then they still have some other guys like Cole Anthony and Gary Harris that can give minutes and are producers and, and, and do things that they need. Uh, I, I really do like the roster. I, my only concern is, it's still a very young group and the magic are a trendy team that people are talking about. Can they take that Oklahoma city thunder leap? Can they be that next young team that is, is able to, to kind of break through that glass ceiling and, and be a, a play in, be a playoff team. And I don't know if I'm that high on them yet. I, I just think they're still a little too young. But I, I, I like them enough to say that they can hit this over. They're kind of in that same ballpark of Chicago and Brooklyn and Toronto. And yeah, I think they can I think they deserve to to be there with those teams. Like, yes, those teams have some older players, but uh I, I, I do think there's a leap ahead for Orlando. I just don't know if it's gonna be good enough to get into to the playoffs. But I do think there's a world where they make the play in this year. I think they have some excellent young cornerstone pieces and they've got a lot of guys. They had a good season last year after the, after the all-star break and getting everyone healthy. So I'm excited to watch the magic this year. Yep. I am too. Um, I think we're all pretty high on the magic and they have been doing their rebuild very methodically, but I, 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 I think they really have some here with, the group that they have. Let's go to the last team and then we'll close out with any thoughts on the Pistons as more news trickles in about Kate Cunningham's injury, which looks like it's just general soreness. He's um, seems like it would be okay. And I'm sure he'd play if it was a regular season game, but it is the same leg. I was going to say uh, Kate Cunningham out preseason. 
Like that, right. that to me is what this screams. Just it, it's preseason. Take it easy. Right. Let him. Yeah, it's not a big deal. Um, Ivy not starting is still con- not concerning, but interesting. Um, it seems like they're really going with him as the off the bench spark plug um, moving forward. So uh, let's go ahead and talk about something that is not at all interesting. And that's the Charlotte Hornets who are uh, at 31 and a half for their over under on wins and losses. This is pre uh, the news regarding miles bridges, which is murky um, and really just completely awful legal situation came to light today. There was an ESPN article from Baxter Holmes about it. I assume I'm operating under the assumption he's not going to be playing for the Charlotte Hornets or hopefully anybody in the NBA ever again. Uh, but Mike, I, I, Mike, do you know what he just did? He changed his profile on picture on Twitter to uh, Johnny Depp coming out of the courtroom. Oh, for Christ's sake. Okay. Yeah, just, just, I, what a okay. disgusting, what a loop. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's just awful. <laughs> that is just between him and Kai Jones. It's like, what is, in the water over there in Charlotte. That's really, mm, that's gross. Um, so we can kind of like put him in as like a kind of technically was re-added back to Charlotte, but I, I doubt he plays. They drafted Brandon Miller. They drafted Nick Smith Jr. They signed Frank Nivikina. They lost Kai Jones, Kelly Bray, Dennis Smith, and Sfima Luke. I mean, the, the only reason to watch them really is LaMelo Ball, who's still one of the most exciting players in the league. And then adding Mark Williams, who was pretty good in in his time starting towards the end of the season. I mean, I think the Hornets had a top three defense in terms of defensive rating to end the season. Like post-All-Star break, they had one of the better defenses in the entire league. And you add Ball back to that roster after he missed almost the whole season. You add Brandon Miller, who is a trendy pick for being a bust, but you have to see how it how it works. Um, they have some interesting bigs. They have PJ Washington. They have James Booknight, I guess. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, 31 and a half seems you're trying to talk high your- to me. It's not possible. <laughs> I mean, 30, I mean 31 and a half guys and maybe Brent. Yeah, they have some terrible. Yeah, they have some guys who dribble. Um, yeah. I, 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 can I don't know. I, 31 and a half. I'll, I, I, I think it's a clear under like, Oh yeah, for sure. Prove that he can be healthy for me to feel any differently. And you know, they're, they're going to be missed, you know, without miles bridges. Now uh, this is a team that even with both those guys healthy and playing and not uh, in prison or whatever miles bridges future looks like, um, it's not great in Charlotte and it's a team that I'd have to imagine is going to be trying to get off of Gordon Hayward, be trying to get off Terry Rozier, like PJ Washington. I mean, is he sticking around after signing that contract? I I don't know. Like they've got a ton of young names that are probably going to be seeing a ton of time on the court this year because this roster is just not great. Like I like LaMelo ball. I like Mark Williams. Um, I actually do like Terry Rozier, but it's just not enough for me to believe this team is winning 30 games, let alone 32. I mean, they they, they could very much so be just as bad as Washington. 
no team has worse vibes in the league than this squad. Like, oh, not even close. Not even close, dude. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe Brandon Miller comes in and he's really, really good. I, I, I don't know. I'm not super sold on that. Um, I kind of liked the Nick Smith pickup. Like, he, he could be a good scorer, I suppose. Um, there's just something like extremely poetic about like Terry Rozier and LaMelo Ball, like skipping all over the court, throwing up the just most ridiculous shots of all time, while the rest of the roster is like, I don't know, getting arraigned for drunk driving. It's it's just like, oh, gross. This team is gross. I don't even really have anything else to say about him. Like, you're right. They're probably going to try and get off of Gordon Hayward, but I believe he's still signed for another year after this one. So it's not like he's a, a fully expiring contract here. Um, he sure. went to Charlotte and aged 12 years. Yeah, and that was after he aged 12 years when he immediately went to Boston. And, I mean, had probably the worst, top five worst injuries I've oh, ever seen. Hideous looking. Heinous, yeah, that was that was awful. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, just everything about this team is awful. I don't. I don't even want to like talk about them. I just I don't like them. I like Lavello. I do like Terry Rozier too. I'm I'm glad we can agree on that, Aaron, because he is a player I like. But Terry, uh, he's guaranteed to drop at least thirty against the Cavs. He does every single season. And the Pistons too. He is a certified Pistons killer. Uh, PJ Washington. The Pistons should have gone after him. It. I just don't know why they didn't. He's back there for this year, but that's not going to last. Uh, there. This is just a team that. I just don't know how it all fell apart so fast because two years ago they looked like they were on a good trajectory and now yeah. it's they look like they might have to blow it back up all over again. So no, uh, this, this is a team I'm taking the under on. Fellas, that's the Southeast division and we are just about wrapped up with all of our divisional previews. Um, so we some information's continued to pop up about Kate Cunningham and the starting lineup for tonight. Um, just real quick, Aaron, any any thoughts on the starting lineup tonight? Kate Cunningham being out seems like he is out just as a sort of rest slash. It's the preseason; it doesn't matter. But again, the starters are Hayes, Burks, Asar, Bagley, and Isaiah Stewart. I, I've seen Bagley and Stewart been flipped, so I don't necessarily that think that means they're starting at power forward and center respectively. I, I, I I've seen it Bagley Stewart and Stewart Bagley, but any any thoughts on the starting lineup as, as the Pistons get set to tip for preseason game number two? I think the thing that's most pertinent to what we've talked about today is there was a tweet from James Edwards saying the reason Jaden Ivey uh, is coming off the bench is likely linked to them wanting him to get comfortable in his new role, and that is very 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 concerning to me. Ah. Uh, don't want to say too much because I don't want to overreact. It might not be the case, and it's just preseason. But Let's... yeah, we'll be going. We'll be going for another hour if we talk about this because, um, yeah, I didn't even need to see the James Edwards tweet. I think the fact that he is coming off the bench when you have so many guys out tells you exactly what the plan for him is this year. And so, yep, time to wrap this up <laughs> because. Um, it seems pretty clear to me that that is going to be his role, at least for the beginning of the season. And I am sure this is something we will continue to talk about in the future. Certainly is. It certainly is. Now, uh, we're going to spend 
probably plenty of time talking about how tonight's game goes, how the bench unit looks, how Cade looks, or I'm sorry, how Jay and Ivy looks. And uh, that's probably all that we're really going to be able to glean from this because this is a mismatch of players. But um going to be exciting to talk about it, at least that there is no shortage of content uh, as as we head towards the regular season. So, I mean, I don't know about all you guys, but I'm going to get set to go and watch some some Pistons basketball, some Detroit basketball. Um, I got called a Pistons blog boy. And why am I... Uh, writing about the Cavaliers. I thought that was very funny. So uh, which Detroit suburb should I say that I'm from? Mm, I'm getting Sterling. It's giving me Sterling Heights, baby. <laughs> you're, Ooh, you're, Rochester. Rochester. my side of town? Yeah, why not? Come on over, Mike. You're welcome here in the Heights. I mean, oh, what, all about, right. what about Rochester? Oh, Farmington. Yeah, yeah, I could see Mike being a Farmington guy. Farmington, I feel good about Farmington. Yeah, no, I. <laughs> hey, Mike, now welcome here. You're a Farmington guy. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, All talking right. about talking about the times you uh, played like against Aaron Burbridge in middle school. I could see it right now. <laughs> I don't know what any of this means, but I am going to go ahead and say yes. That's exactly what happened, and that's going to be my second identity since. Now I'm Pistons blogger writing about the Cavs as opposed to the other way around. So I think I made it. Now I'm a, officially a Michigan citizen. Um, so I'm going to go and do that citizenship paperwork. Uh, and we're going to close out the podcast and get ready to watch some Pistons basketball with the oddest lineup that you normally see at the end of a season. Um, I'd like to thank our sponsor this week. That's Bet Online, And again, if you want to use our promo code believe b l e a v you get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use bet online for my co-hosts Aaron Johnson Jasper Apolloni I am Mike Angvalano thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast part of the believe network and brought to you by bet online we will see you all next time For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.